0: And welcome to the AEW Rampage preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the daddy boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT DuPont. Oh! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a Bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Cedrics, look ahead to. Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy, but here's my number. This is real, baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. But we should probably deal with the news of the day, first of all, and that is that Tomohiro Ishii is out of Forbidden Door. A knee injury uh, suffered in the qualifier, taking him out of that four way for the uh, inaugural All Atlantic Championship. It will now be packed. Versus Miro, versus Malachi Back, versus the guy that Ishii beat in the qualifier, one Clark Connors. Oh
1: uh, Jesus Christ! This is some, one of the matches I was most looking forward to on a card where I'm not really looking forward to it. Um, like we've discussed this, check out the long form um, Forbidden Door podcast for my extended thoughts on it. But ultimately, my take is there's outside of possibly the main event, there's not one match where I have the feeling of oh my. God, God, I can't believe this is actually happening, which is what is meant to be elicited for a proper co-promoted dream show. This is one of the matches, despite being a little bit too accommodating of certain names, too many names on the card, that this was the most magic version possible of, well, we need this person on, this person on, this person on. And the way they accommodated it was, right, just do two awesome matches at once. Strong style of the horse fight and a super work rate, indie match, great should be spectacular, mm-hmm. and now it's not fucking happening. I'm reluctant to join into the narrative, I'm a certain thumbnail notwithstanding, that the show is cursed, <laughs> because I think calling it cursed and saying that they've suffered some rotten luck lets them get away with something. Yeah. Because if you look at that four-way match, like the build for that is so WWE, so piss poor, so like needlessly diluted and confusing, the anxiety over whether Okada was going to be there was just nonsensical to mm-hmm. me. Just like, you want people to buy the show. You want people to be reassured that it's going to be great. Um, yeah, Ishii missing it sucks. Um, look, I'm very reluctant to bury Clark Connors. I think a lot of people are going to be naturally disappointed that that's someone who's realistically only appeared on like the odd Kurrikan show or New Japan Strong, he's not necessarily a guy a lot of people A know about and B are really excited to see on a massive American arena show that's gonna be noisy as all hell. Mm-hmm. Um doubly so because it's in Chicago and the arena's massive. And the whole one of the selling points of the show wasn't just AEW New Japan um coming together with these like intoxicating dream matches. But the idea is we've not heard since early 2020, like well over two years ago at this point, a huge arena going wild for the massive, massive stars of New Japan. Mm. So I'm gutted for Ishii. I'm gutted for myself. It's just another thing that detracts from the show. Um, But part of the appeal was Tanahashi, Akada, Shingo, Naito, not on the show, Ishii performing in front of an absolutely massive loud vocal crowd for the first time in over two years, and now one of those like guys who's not only one of the best wrestlers in the world <laughs> to this day, but a New Japan legend, synonymous with New Japan. Yeah. One of those names that you associate with the peak. Um, he had one of the very best matches of that peak of New Japan against um, Shibata in 2013. So for him to miss the show sucks. Um, Clark Connors is a replacement. Kind of makes sense and doesn't because it's like Essentially a buy. except he lost the match. Mm. But I don't know, like maybe they didn't want to rearrange the card even more than it already was. Um, this is very political. Um, I kind of expected Ishii to take the pin. Um, so maybe they didn't want to just put Shingo in there because, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't want anyone to lose who is a major name, like Sonata possibly could have done a job here, but they but Ghetto's. And this is pure speculation on my part, we don't know the facts, but Ghetto could have said, no, put him in, because we need a fall guy for this match. Um, for anyone out there, who wants a little bit of reassurance, about the match, um, now that it's been changed, Clark Connors, great fun, of <laughs> all of these lads, from the LA Dojo, trained by Shepard, have got great fun, of Um Clark Connors has got an absolutely incredible physique, Um I'm doing a joke about the great fundamentals because it's um, Kenny Omega, Holly Race, but he is incredibly technically yeah, efficient. He yeah. can suplex you on the outside, and it makes your own bones rattle because it just feels so impactful. Because he's got a great snap, <laughs> um, great fire. Like he's got all the things you'd expect um, an American new line to have, uh, young line to have. And look, if nothing else, right now that we're hours away from the news dropping. You can kind of go, right, okay, well, I've had the mood, had yeah. the disappointment. Now, this is ultimately a chance for this lad to get over. And a positive wrinkle to this development is that both New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling um, recognize the value of getting people over in defeat, in clean defeat. If they show spirit, heart, guts, resolve, whatever, Um and that can only stand them in good stead for their future career. So I expect Clark Connors, people are going to think, right, okay, no head of him. Um, and he's obviously going to take the pin. Those things might be true. But the idea, I think, is that he's going to get a lot of time to shine in this match. Maybe he can get completely merked mm. early. they like, right, what's he doing here? He's not on the level of those three guys. Maybe they can change the story and the layout of the match um, in a way that Clark Connors can get every move done on him early, taken out, because someone has to Mm. in a a four-way match anyway, Then he can sort of slowly get the audience behind him and grow into the match and start to compete in the match. And maybe it could be a a breakthrough moment for the guy. Um, Yeah, technically very proficient. He doesn't get that much of a chance to show his personality. Like, Strong's not a particularly um, popular or well-watched show. But I think people will be surprised by, A, what he can do, and, B, what they will let him do in this match. Um, I can't, I don't want to dress it up. I'm not shill. I'm not doing this (laughs) on behalf of AEW. I'm absolutely as good as everybody else. But maybe, just maybe, we'll come away from this thinking, you know what? It's gutting, but that lad has really got something here. And he's in there with three total pros, Mm. um, masters, who will really help make the, Best of a bad situation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Best of luck to him. Gutted about Ishii, but uh, excited to see what happens on on Sunday. I'm all right in thinking on tonight's rampage we get another match added to Forbidden Door. Well,
1: um, Andrew Rich on Twitter um, said that or posted that there was he's seen a spoiler for a fun tag team match. Okay. Um that was added um, on the rampage tapings or announced or built to on the rampage tapings. I don't know anything like else like that. It was one of those good spoilers where it's like not going to tell you explicitly what it is, but uh, there's a little hook, if you like, um, an incentive to watch. I won't spoil it for you, but if you're worried about Forbidden Door, something cool just got added. So I've got no idea what it is. I haven't actively sorted out because we tend not to do that on this pod because we like to preview it sight unseen. (laughs) Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. Uh, Lots of matches to look forward
0: to tonight. Cash Wheeler versus Jeff Cobb. Hook in action, uh, but a match that we've seen, I feel like we've seen, the match and variations of the match on multiple occasions, but certainly on paper, a mouth-watering prospect uh, is Andrade versus Ray Phoenix. It's so exciting. It would make you or I or, I don't know, pick a name out of thin air, Renee Paquette say something along the lines of... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh,
1: my God.
0: It's the thing. Hi, Renee. Thanks for listening.
1: Oh, my God. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, this match should be absolutely tremendous. This is Tony Khan being incredibly nice to both his um, roster and for the fans who are going to be absolutely bang into this match. Um, It kind of resolves a bit of an issue with Rampage and AEW on the whole. So the basic situation, the basic gist for those who are unaware, um, there's a political snafu with um, AAA, CMLL, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling who each have um, kind of respective working agreements but it's not like a blanket thing where all parties have agreed to work together because AAA and CMLL are competitors. Yeah. And they don't want their guys working. Um, Basically, CML, CMLL having a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling do not want any guys from AAA appearing on a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. Right. So Phoenix is an AA guy. He's under some kind of contract there. I think Andrade is more of a freelance, but he's sort of been um, included in it for whatever reason. So I think the safe political thing was to not have Phoenix, Penta, nor Andrade appear at Forbidden Door because it could um, weaken the New Japan-CMLL relationship, which is more valued by New Japan than it is by virtually anybody else who watches um so it's just a way of right okay there's a lot of um great matches great opportunities for you to work with great wrestlers from respected promotions you don't get in on the fun so why don't you just go out for no real reason at all and have a killer 12 minute match there's minimal build in that the um andrade low blood phoenix what in what low blood was yeah i know like andrade is absolutely incredible how did he not absolutely bruise his testicles on that one <laughs> um so it's just a nice thing to do and luckily for us it's not as if it's two sort of bang average workers who (laughs) don't get to join in on the fun but they get a match on Rampage as a result these are two absolutely incredible workers and they're both like lunatics and Andrade in particular hits very hard so realistically um, I don't know the results but a bit of a spoiler indication on match quality Dave Meltzer um heard a live report from the arena, from the Rampage tapings, that, shockingly enough, it was meant to be great. <laughs> but it could be two great versions of um, a match in that. It'll be athletically incredibly spectacular. Um, Phoenix is Phoenix. He's unbelievable. He can sprint across the top rope. He seems to invent a new move every single match. He's incredible. Andrade um, is trying to pack on more muscle and do more of a power guy shtick. Um these days, but he's still capable of somehow of hurtling that frame around <laughs> yeah. with torneos. So you're going to get a really spectacular lucha match, um, but it's going to feel like way more physical than you expect because Andrade, has got no regard for his own ankles, his own brain tissue, <laughs> anything. He'll dump himself on his head with a million poison runners. Um, I don't know who wins, but that's a good thing. These are two guys that AEW, do want a position in the main event, um, or maybe even in the TNT title picture at this point, but they don't really want to pin them willy-nilly. My suspicion is that they will be able to say, you know, Andrade just eked out the win here, but that's possibly because um, Phoenix is more of a tag team specialist, and you can remind the fans, look, yeah. he's a tag team specialist, give it his own the singles match, but it's not really his domain. Andrade's more skilled in the singles context. I like how they treat each discipline um, with respect, because not only does it put... Each division over, but it lets you sort of not think less of a tag team wrestler losing yeah. a singles match. It's just, it's all very important in a multitude of ways. And um, so I expect Andrade to pick up the win. Um, but then again, being modern day AEW, and I hate the fact that I have to make the distinction to something that was once absolutely great, now it's wildly uneven. Modern day AEW leads me to believe that there'll be some kind of American TV finish that will potentially diminish the match but hopefully like Andrade just wins and the match is so awesome that you po- couldn't possibly care you can't do that too often yeah you can't job as soon as you job out guys too frequently you will receive them as less of a star particularly when they've already reached a certain <clears throat> um level but it's just the way
0: yeah it's, I, I do get that feeling where you're coming from there of like this isn't the AEW of old. This isn't the AEW, for example, that you wrote about in Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. Yes, absolutely. It's available right now on Amazon.
1: The chapter I wrote about revolution and the comeback from the disaster that was December 2019. I wrote a chapter following that, charting the um, anniversary episode that was in the first Dynamite in Daily's Place, headlined by the Elite versus Death Triangle, all the way to revolution. And it's like, I would say... 12,000 words of the favorite bit of prose I've ever written about my favorite period of AEW. Like, my God. Oh, I just loved it so much. I know. If you had to
0: sum it up in like a, I don't know, a soundbite from Renee Paquette from the soundboard you've got in front of you here.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Okay, fair enough. I mean, you had quite a few to choose from, but you went for that one. So. Absolutely. Like,
1: the way <laughs> I put it right is that it was this masterpiece of episodic television held across different locations with different themes, with different characters interacting with one another. So you arrive at this point. The first Bash at the Beach. Imagine this is a DVD box set, by the way. Oh, God, I know. It would be absolutely incredible. So at the first Bash at the Beach, you have Chris Jericho with John Moxley gunning for him and being a little bit afraid of John Moxley because he knows he's probably going to take his title. Decides to put a spike in his eye, right? <laughs>
0: I can always forget this.
1: So he puts a spike in his eyes. That's the injury angle. That's the big, the obstacle that the baby face has. They've chosen this specifically because they know the very next week they're on a boat. And, Chris, and John Moxley can wear an eye patch <laughs> on a boat and be a John Carpenter pirate and it's the coolest thing ever, right? And you think, that is such a cool injury angle to do for this sort of location-specific show, which is in itself incredible. We're resting on a boat. Yeah. We're doing the best wrestling TV show since 1997 on a boat. How (laughs) awesome is that, right? That's great in itself. And then, because so much thought was applied to this promotion, because there wasn't too many wrestlers to book on it, that you could really concentrate on the guys you had and book incredible, layered, deft, dovetailing stories around them. It is revealed about three or four weeks later that Santana's dad legit went blind in real life. So when Moxley gets his retaliation for the spike going in the eye, Santana reveals, with an incredible baby face, sit-down interview with Jim Ross, that this is horrible for him because he's mirroring the path of his father whose life was completely struck down by tragedy. You get John Carpenter on a boat, incredible fun. You get this gut punch of a twist with deep emotional heft, and it's not even the best thing on the show, because that was the elite drama at its absolute pinnacle with the Young Bucks Hangman page and Kenny Omega, and oh my, yeah, take me back. Take me back to those days.
0: I agree. I think Andrade wins this match um, because a couple of reasons. Like you say, I think you can protect Phoenix in the finish. You can also eventually, I don't know when, because we're going to get... Simply to- lose a banger. Yeah, exactly. But in terms of... uh Titles going forward, and more on that in a little bit. Um, eventually, you can have, you know, Death Triangle. We've got, we've, you know, Penna lost the qualifier. Pack's not winning the All-Atlantic title, according to our booking, and Phoenix is losing here. But, as a trio, they're great, and then they can do some great stuff when they eventually decide to do trios titles. Plus, just thinking there, maybe you could have, I don't really know exactly the character dynamics and how this would work. Andrade versus Miro for the All-Atlantic title would be tasty. So yeah,
1: absolutely. There you absolutely. go. Absolutely.
0: Um, Right, we are on the road to Forbidden Door Siege, of course. It is this Sunday. We'll be doing a live stream for it on our YouTube channel. Join myself and Michael Hamlet for that on Sunday night. Uh, And as part of that, there's that three-way with all the tag titles, the IWGP, the Ring of Honor tag titles on the line, FTR, United Empire, Roppongi Vice, and there's a sort of little taste, a little teaser for that. It's Jeff Cobb versus Cash Wheeler tonight on
1: Rampage. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> wait for this. I've not heard reports that it was a banger or anything like that. But then again, we didn't with Darby Allin and Bobby Fish. So, oh, yeah, take good point. Yeah, years. So, this should be really good. I mean, annoyed you, that the, the, the viewership was so crap for, for Rampage yeah, because of no. stuff like that. I know. Uh, like, even if this doesn't smash the four-star ceiling, it's going to be, at a minimum, very, very good indeed. And I've been campaigning for more Cash Wheeler singles matches since... Dax Harwood started to get like quite a few. And I'm thinking Cash is great as well. Like, I, I've I've got a man crush yeah. on Cash Wheeler. I think this has been firmly established on this podcast <laughs> at this point. He's an absolutely lovely vibe man mm-hmm. with wonderful hair, incredibly handsome, one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. Who's like he's got the body and the mind and just the propulsion of like an early 90s? guy who, in that smaller WCW ring, used to just do a move, and it was like, not only are you threatening to th- go over the other side of the ring, but when you slam yourself down for the drop-down, you're making a shake, and it's just like, oh my god, you are vibrating through my goddamn TV screen. <laughs> He's an incredible specimen. Jeff Cobb almost defines incredible specimen for the things he can do with that body. Like, this should be an absolute ripper. Um, in terms of who wins, or Again, it's not ideal to do this match. In fact, the booking of it, quite frankly, is very WWE. It is, isn't it? In that, all right, okay, well, we need to build this tag match. What do we do? We've got one more episode of TV left. Let's just put one member from each team, or two of the teams in this case, and put them in a singles match. It's very WWE this, and the reason why it's all a bit bad is you don't want to think of a champion or a contender, or in this case, Someone with a belt is going to lose here, and you should avoid that wherever possible. My favorite thing in AEW is that if you go back through the down the line here of the world champions, they very rarely lose, and only when it's getting a little bit I'm um, waiting for the next pay-per-view for them to lose. They actually lose, or at least Chris Jericho did. Um, did Kenny Omega? Yes, he lost to Christian Cage. Mm-hmm. Dr. Brebaker did as well um, against... Riho, I think it was, Might to right set then, up a yeah. match with um, for Battle of the Belts. You did, yeah. So <laughs> I love... She'd always beaten her, hadn't she? That was the story. That's one of the only contexts or situations in which a champion... And I know it doesn't really mean much to Tony Khan anymore, but goddammit, it still means something to me <laughs> in which a champion should lose. So I don't necessarily like the booking of this match. I don't really think there's a reason for it to take place. I don't think it's going to go to like a time limit draw or anything like that. It's a, it's an hour-long show and there's four matches. So someone's gonna lose here. I know there's going to be a little sneaky dickhead finish. So I'm not gonna emotionally invest in it, but the work will be so good. And I like Cash Wheeler so much that I'm going to get into it regardless, even though I don't like it because I'm very consistent. Yeah, I'm fighting my brain on this
0: one because my brain, like you say, over the years has been trained so much to say Cobb wins here because I think FTR obviously winning on Sunday, getting all the belts. So WWE. But then, then there's also now Cobb stands
1: tall. Yeah, Cobb stands tall, but means and holds up. Maybe holds up both belts. Cobb stands tall, holds up both belts. Is this
0: a vision of what we're gonna see on Sunday?
1: Potentially distraction finish or something. that's what I was going to say.
0: Yeah. The other bit of me is getting even more panicky with AEW booking now. And I was like, what if all the United Empire run down, but then Rapongi Vice decide to, oh there, you know, FTR, we're friends with them, but not on Sunday. And then there's Dax and then there's Ospreay. and there's Orange Cassidy, and there's a big old Schmozz. Like you say, just have Jeff Cobb fight Cash Wheeler and just 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 be slightly better than him on the night, because it's a singles competition, but the tag match is what really matters. And you don't need any shenanigans to sell me, yeah. FTR versus the likes of Jeff Cobb and you know all the rest. So yeah, um, right. Hook is in action tonight against the DKC. Don't really know a lot about that. Um, to be perfectly honest, but um, this is also I wanted to say a, a potential sign of things to come. With the fact that Hook's like, I've got this, leave it to me. So maybe a slow sort of dissolving of Hookhausen, which is something, you know, it was nice while it lasted, but it doesn't need to last any longer.
1: No, not at all. It's Memes have a shelf life, and this is a meme team. And, yeah, the shelf life has expired now, so just get over it, please. Sold your T-shirts. You sold your T-shirts. That well's probably running a little bit dry. I don't think anyone's standing Hookhausen or anything at this point, (laughs) so just get... Get rid of it. It's it, it's done. It's absolutely done. Old hook back, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Get old hook back. This could be the first um, phase of him recovering his aura, which I genuinely feel has been lost. Imagine, like, remember what how we were talking about him late last year. I was like he's the next big thing. He does not feel like that anymore. And wouldn't I wouldn't have Wardlow be pally pally with someone right now. For no, example. no, absolutely. I just think it's been a total misfire. Um, fun while it lasted to people not me but I'll acknowledge that they had fun because that's what it's all about reaching the most amount of people um, but not for me but regardless I think even that appetite has sort of dried up DKC for those who don't know great fundamentals <laughs> yeah I could do some things with you Um, he had a match on Strong um at some point, a while ago now against tjp and the, the the danger is i don't like tjp i have thoughts on him that i'm just not gonna communicate on a podcast yeah. like if just look at his twitter likes know what i'm like as a person and you know that i probably think he's a cock <laughs> <laughs> he is however an absolutely superb professional wrestler oh yeah like he's so <laughs> underrated He is so good. If he just... It's telling that a performer of his talents isn't getting pushed to the moon in the best of Super Juniors, wasn't tapped up by AEW when they had the relationship with Impact and get him on the show. That's how good he is. There's a reason for that. And and for that reason, it's kind of hard to really invest in his matches. But this match with DKC, like he made... uh, DKC looked like one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet, but I think that's just TJ Perkins working a TJ Perkins match. He's just unbelievable, like counters to counters to counters. Just this stunningly intricate submission game, so immersive, so believable. Um, so it's not really a good barometer of how good he is, but he certainly got promise if he can hang with the TJP. Um, so Basically, this spiel about how good he is or could be is going to go longer on there than the match itself, yes. so it's a bit pointless. But I expect this to be a heavily match based encounter, where because it's politicized as all of these matches are, it's going to go way more fifty fifty than the usual hook match. Not particularly long, but a bit more competitive and even. So I can see the story playing out like DKC is probably better a traditional um submission pro wrestling than hook but the second that he gets on his feet who can just throw him down with his wonderful judo like this could be genuinely a really beautiful styles clash for how long it lasts um and i'm looking forward to it on that basis yeah me
0: too excited to see that and just like you say just the hook of old returning now i know you're going through some stuff with AEW right now love it? hate absolute yes. love hate not to add more fuel to that fire <laughs> oh god damn it. i don't want to talk about this mate but there is a match advertised for tonight. It's the usual so-and-so in action. So it's just going to be inevitable, an inevitable squash of some jobbers, one would assume. And uh, Hamflip's been keeping us in the loop about what they've been doing on Dark, I think it is, or Dark Elevation. But extrapolating from Serena Deeb and Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez in action, and by that they mean together, not against each other. Are we getting AW Women's Tag Team title?
1: Uh, if we're not. This is still bad to book. Yes. Because it's that whole... Um,
0: it's the Carter thing again, isn't it? Why it, why
1: put it in people's minds? It's, well, there's that, but it's also the Caden Carter, Casey Catanzaro thing from NXT oh. 2.0. But it wasn't just 2.0. It was black and gold because <laughs> during the Wednesday Night War, every now and then, no real direction. Now, I was saying, this is a bit rubbish, this. Uh, Carter and Catanzaro would just team up. And they were a tag team, and they would kind of win matches against um, other teams if they wanted to do something. I don't don't know why they did this, because there were no women's tag team titles on NXT at the time, but they just worked matches, and every single time, I was like, why is there a women's tag team here? Mm. It's not like a trios match, right, Um, or a, a tag team match pitting people who are sort of connected through who they're feuding with. Um, or, like, two matches get teased, two separate matches get teased with a tag team match. They were a tag team with no tag Go, team division. Going up the women. rankings
0: of a division that didn't
1: exist. It was the oddest thing. And that, honestly, the thing, one of the things I buried about NXT in 2019, right? Think about this is the best case scenario for AEW in 2022. Wow. That's a massive indictment of the booking and I would prefer it to yet another set of titles. Like, it's so alarming. And maybe I'm making, you know, something out of nothing here, and it's just a way of building a match between Deeb and Martinez because, um, as we've seen on Dark, like, they're doing this thing of, I know we're teaming together, but I want to prove that I'm better than you at the same time. They're sort of trying to top this. Exactly. So maybe it's just a way of building that, but then they've associated um, Nyla Rose and... um,
0: uh, Marina
1: Shafir uh, it's just very scary in addition to oh why are you putting this match on TV and why are you putting those two performers together is a twosome Um, Tony Khan um, before the launch of the All Atlantic title right said we're going to introduce new titles plural soon I think people were just like oh that's scary we'll just ignore it Mm -hmm. and then sure sure enough the All Atlantic title gets debuted and uh, hang on Titles, plural. Trios and that's it. Even now they've ruined it because it's just diluting everything else. Trios and that's it. Trios and that's it. Please, for God's sake. And you'll get someone maybe in good faith saying, well, this allows more representation for the women. To which I will say, did the introduction of the TBS title, other than on pay-per-view, on television, did the introduction of that title give you more than one token women's match per show? No, they will not do it. That's the one thing that they will stick to when they really should stick to, you know, good, intricate, long-term storytelling, <laughs> um, few titles, all of which can feel prestigious because they haven't been um, devalued by being there being so many of them. That's the one thing, the one core principle that AEW will stick to, even if there's women's titles that will just serve to make the entire concept of achievement in pro wrestling, which is fundamental to it, the entire concept of achievement will feel pointless if they go this route. And I'm telling you now, this is not hyperbole, right? I think there's enough people on Twitter, on social media, kind of coming to a collective consensus of this is not a good period for the company. The signs have been here for quite a while, mm-hmm. in fact, and now the cracks are really starting to show and the like crevices are appearing. If they introduce this title, I might have enough in a year's time to think about writing the fall of AEW. And, wow. I'm, and I'm not joking. I am not joking. Every single mistake that every booker makes to put their once white heart product in the mud for whatever reason, considering if there's anyone who should have learned from these mistakes, it's a hardcore super fan with like a massive range of tastes. Tony Khan, how is he making these mistakes? It is legitimately terrifying to mm. me because the 2019 version of tony khan if you had a said will you do um two additional men's singles titles um a secondary women's title and a women's tag team title and you'd probably just go well no because that would betray the concept of titles mattering and it, it should be this very elusive thing that can only be won if you're the best and you prove yourself the best in loads of hard fought matches the fact that three years later, he's oh, titles, titles, titles. It's terrifying to me how much he's losing it. And it's also just lazy, isn't it? Because we always would sit here and say the great
0: thing about AEW is that, you say, you have these incredibly prestigious titles, men's, women's, uh, TNT, tag. Uh, but, and you know, well, what right, do you do with this? Other, it was a big roster anyway, obviously. It's got ridiculously bloated now, but a big roster anyway. What do you do with everyone else? Book them in storylines. Yeah. Now you can just go, oh, I haven't really got anything, so just have them fight for this trinket or that trinket. Like, AW has enough titles as is. Like you say, you got Men's Women's World, TBS, TNT, Tag, now the All Atlantic. FTW. FTW, and then, like... ROH, then you had New Japan, trios. Then you had trios, and then, yeah, like you say, you add New Japan, you add ROH, you add AAA occasionally, you add someone maybe coming over from Impact or whatever. It's like... It's just re- preposterous. Oh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I love the idea. A Serena D Mercedes Martinez tag team really excites me. But, like you say, the fact that, again, we could have an announcement of, like, guys, big announcement, new title in AEW, it's a multi-person title. That's right, it's the women's tag title. Yeah, no. The, the trio's <laughs> titles. Me and, uh, and Hamlet on the SmackDown preview were talking, if I'm WWE... We said this about maximum male models randomly because we booked the Viking Raiders and Face. More on that in the Smackdown preview if you want to go and check that out. The Viking Raiders and Face being the new guys for maximum male models. Put, make trios stars and put them on them because then you can be like, we're first. Yeah, I know. Like, it's, they've just treaded water for so long when... It, what, six months? A year ago, you sat here and you were like, right, blah, blah, blah. like yeah, right, yeah. You know, uh, a Viking. Uh, Jurassic Express, bloody uh, Death Triangle.
1: Dark Order at the time were hot. Elites. So- Variations of the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. I was fucking loads. And there's still loads they could do. Ah, it's just, I'm so scared about the future direction of this company. But it is going to be a squash I for Deeb and Martin. Like, I just willed it into existence for 20 <laughs> years. Good, big time actual wrestling on television and it was even better than i ever could have thought and it's going down the goddamn drain and it's so cruel that it was possible mm. it's I, I know it was possible because i've seen it and now it's disappearing in front be of my very what eyes you wish for why can't it just be good again why? <laughs> well why, have, why do you have to sign some more joe <laughs> can you remember when some more joe was first released can you remember what i said at the time Vaguely, I said, "Don't sign him." Yeah, I said, "Don't sign him. He's too thrashed. You can maybe give him a, a handful of dates to do some special shows, and maybe he can team with Punk on a one-off basis." Do not sign this man to a contract, even though your fans are saying it. Sometimes you know better than the fans, right? I'm on Twitter. I know this for a goddamn fact. <laughs> just, I said at the time, it's already getting too big. Don't sign Joe. And what do they do? Sign Joe. And then there's lots of ROH guys. There are too many wrestlers on the show. And he's been greedy. He's got excessive. And he's ruined it. And he's compromised. And he's accommodating these names that he didn't need. And I told them that they didn't need some more Joe. I said the second he was released, do not sign him. Go back and listen to those podcasts. I saw this coming. I am the lawnmower. (laughs) Pfft. (laughs)
0: I distinctly remember when I was uh, adapting your It's Official, the AW roster is far too big. There was that word that stuck out for me most of all, more than bloated,
1: more than, you know, excess or anything like that. Restraint. Yeah, he never has it. That's the thing. He's too energetic. He loves the idea of surprises. He's a man who's really losing it. (laughs) Anyway, Forbidden Door this
0: weekend, join us with the live stream uh, and all the fallout from it on our YouTube channel, of course, and we'll be discussing it in the following week as well. Uh, And let us know your thoughts ahead of Rampage tonight on Twitter uh, at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow both of us, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at what Culture WWE and make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. As I said, Smackdown Preview is available right now and me and both the Dudley boys will be back a little bit later on today to potentially discuss the Brian Danielson replacement at Forbidden Door for that epic match with Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, and of course, Blood and Guts next week. What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been the Rampage Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining